This is Helping of Happiness, episode 121. Today we have on Lisa Lewis, who is teaching us how to tame our dragons and handle big emotions. Hi, you're listening to Helping of Happiness. I'm your host, Hilary Hess, a crazy mom of seven kids who loves to eat and loves to travel. Mom life can be exhausting, hectic, and scary at times, so let's take this journey together. We can love, we can learn, we can laugh, we can cry, and we can become better friends while we're at it. Lisa, how are you today? Hey, Hillary. I am so happy that we get to meet, even if it's over Zoom and not in person. This is so fun to chat today. Fun. <laughs> so for our friends listening, I'm really excited to be able to talk with you all about mental health and how we're going to get through our lives and manage our emotions. But first I want, I would love for you to tell us about your family because you have such an awesome family and I, it's fun to know you personally and that our boys get to do school and sports together. It's just been so fun to get to know you that way. So I'm going to let you go ahead and take it and tell us a little bit about your family and kind of your story about what made you want to become a social worker and a therapist and now a podcaster. Okay, sure. Um, so I am married to my high school sweetheart. We've been married 26 years. We were raised in Arizona and we have four kids ages 24 to 16. So two girls and then two boys. Um, it's my oldest. She's married. She works. She does marketing, but she also, interestingly enough, loves the mental health field. And she got certified as a life coach and does, she works with women that have um, relationship anxiety or anxiety with their relationship and also has a podcast related to that. So it's kind of funny. We, we talk about mental health stuff all the time. It's like so, my husband probably so rolls his eyes like, oh, they're talking about mental health again. <laughs> So, and then the second daughter, her and her husband, they actually live with us. My daughter's finishing up school and he, her, her husband, my son-in-law is finishing a graduate certificate and they just had their first baby and our first grandbaby since they moved in with us. So I see this sweet little boy every morning and it makes my day. (laughs) That is so neat. You get to have that. Yes. It's awesome. We have a 19-year-old son who's doing a church service mission in Alaska, loves it there, loves the area and the beauty of that area. And then, of course, like you, um, our boys that are the same age, Ty, who is going to high school, and he decided he wanted to graduate a year early. And so I kind of feel like I'm getting cheated a year of yes. time with him. So I might be a little bit salty about that. <laughs> I would be very salty, too. My son was shocked. He's like, Mom. Ty's graduating early. I just can't even wrap my head around this. (laughs) I I don't tell him I'm salty. I'm just like, oh, I'm missing out on a year. Probably because he's my baby. Of course. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you know at the beginning of the school year, not midway or at the, I mean, that would be, at least you have a year to kind of like, okay, this is our last year. We're going to savor it. We have time to prepare because he decided last year. So yes, we got ample notice. (laughs) So, but um, you asked about how I became a therapist. So it kind of goes into a little bit, I'll just share briefly about um, 
little bit about my story of how I got yes, into it. Yes, I would love for you to share your story. Oh, you're like, yes, stories. I know. Well, <laughs> and I, I mean, yes, for, the, for our friends listening, I you had an episode of your podcast that was all about your story, and I loved hearing how you grew up and how you were nervous to share it because it's not always a pretty past, but I felt even more connected that you were vulnerable enough to share that with me so even though it was via earphones and not face to face I felt like we were together hearing this so I'm so grateful you're willing to share this it's powerful so I won't go into as much detail as I did on that podcast but yeah just to kind of go with my story so I grew up in a home with parents that both had um, either drug or alcohol addictions or both and mental health issues and they divorced when I was three so after they divorced, they went on and had other marriages and then they divorced another marriage. So by the time I was in junior high, they both were on their third marriage. And my mom eventually died of her addiction. So she, let's see, I was 27 when she died. And then my dad, he amazingly kind of figured out that this was a problem. He got help, got sober. He started attending AA and he's been in recovery ever, ever since. So I don't know how many years it's going on. I think I was 21. So yeah, 30, over 30 years. Ha, gives away my age. But <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he, he was an amazing example to me to see how recovery can work in someone's life. And I think because of, I actually, I also had extended family members that struggle with addiction and mental health. And so I think observing these different people in my family, it, I became really interested in human behavior. And I eventually wanted to get into mental health therapy. So back, you know, younger years when I did my undergrad, I got it in family science. And then it was many years later that I went back and got my uh, master's in social work. And so now here I am doing therapy in Dallas, Texas area. Love it. Love it. So tell us a little bit about your podcast. So what's the story behind that? How did that get started? And how does that relate to all your mental health stuff? (laughs) Good question. So since I started the career in mental health, I noticed that there was the option that there's this ability to reach people other than just the face-to-face and, you know, through online content. And I I'm actually still trying to figure out the direction I'm going to take with online content. Um, I may at some point do courses, but for the time being, I'm like, well, I could start doing podcasts and I could get out, you know, free content that way so that I can share things that could be helpful. And my oldest daughter, she had the one that's a life coach. She started doing a podcast. She had started one for teens and then the relationship anxiety one. So I watched her do it and I thought, well, maybe I could do it. And I talked with her a lot. And anyway, she was the one that was able to walk me through and kind of help me. And she helped me work through some of my brain drama (laughs) with actually doing it. Oh yeah. It's so hard. Oh my goodness. Getting started on something new like that was crazy hard for me. It is. It's a big learning curve, isn't it? It's a huge learning curve. Yeah. So I, I did, I, I started the podcast and it, well, before I started, it took me some time because, you know, you want to identify a niche or, a, you know, kind of maybe a group of people that you might be targeting. And I was thinking about people, I was thinking about different topics. 
And I finally realized that I wanted to serve a population of women that were like me. They were moms in midlife. And so I decided I wanted to create content for them because when I was entering midlife and I started having some of these changes that were happening, such as children leaving home, not knowing to do with the extra time that I had, um, not feeling needed by my children as much, um, anxiety that I felt, or you know, the, the changes that I was struggling, or I was struggling with changes related to aging. And so I had all these different things that were coming up for me. And I thought, you know what, I can share content on this. And so that's what I started with is just creating content for people or for women in mind that I felt were kind of like me or in my stage of life. Love that. That is so started. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, I can't wait for you to teach us all about, I mean, I have like this poor for everybody that's listening, this long list for Lisa and I'm sure we won't get into every single thing, but I would love if you wouldn't mind just at the beginning of this, giving us just some basics for kind of improving our mental health. Just where do we start? How do we okay. kind of figure out if we need help or if we're having problems or I, I think we all mental health is being talked about so much out there right now, but I think some of us don't even really know what that, you know, do I have mental health issues? Do I, you know, is this just normal? Do we all have mental health issues? So anyway, I'll let you kind of take that a little bit. Starting with the first question related to knowing like if maybe you need help, obviously if you want help for sure, get it. I, I have a lot of respect for the, the mental health therapy world. I also have a lot of respect for the life coaching world. I feel like there's good in both depending on what you need. Life coaching is, you know, more for um, less severe issues. Um, a lot of the people that we see is going to be more, they're having a hard time with daily functioning. We see other people that can still function and they, they come in as well. We work maybe on more just building skills or maybe learning how to do a schedule or sticking to a schedule or sticking to goals. So we do do some of that work too, but a lot of the times they're finding that it's a function, that it's affecting their functioning on a daily basis. So that's, that could be a clue of, yeah, maybe I should get some help or even if you just want to, I mean, I feel like there's so many benefits that can come from it. So um, what I, just to give a, like, where I was going to say, as far as like giving you a place to start, I'm going to just keep it really simple because this is a topic that you could get a lot of information and get information overload. So I'll just talk about one of the basic things that I start with, with most of my clients that come in, say they're dealing with anxiety, they're dealing with depression, grief or loss trauma related issues, addictions, or other types of issues, I start with identifying basic needs. And so I will ask them this. I will say, how are you doing with your food intake? Are you fueling your body? Are you getting enough food to eat? Are you eating foods that fuel your body and give you the energy that you need? So I'll ask those questions. Um, I could talk about water. Are you getting enough water to drink? I mean, our bodies are largely made up of water. And if we're not getting enough water, it affects different parts of our bodies. It, it affects our brain, it affects our organs. And so it's like, you think that's such a basic thing, but if you have somebody that's struggling with mental health, that could be an important component of like just getting started is making sure they get enough water. Sometimes I'll talk to them about um, caffeine intake. You know, if they're drinking a lot of sodas or coffee or whatever, 
especially if they're dealing with anxiety, because the caffeine could definitely impact the anxiety and kind of heighten it. So we'll talk about that. Um, sleep, that's another one that we know, but sometimes we ignore it. We think, oh, I can get by on less sleep, or we, that's something that we tend to let go. And so we talk about that, how are you sleeping? Sometimes I have clients that are going to bed at all hours of the night, waking up at different times of the day, and yeah, you're probably not gonna feel very good. <laughs> it's gonna, gonna affect you. Um, the other two areas are health. Um, sometimes they're on medications and maybe they're not really good about taking their medications and they need it. Like maybe they have a thyroid issue and if they're not consistently taking their medication, that's gonna impact how they feel. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about, are they going to the doctor and addressing you know, different things that might be going on for them? And then the last thing is exercise. I ask them if they are getting movement in their body. If they're getting out and you know, moving it, um, you probably know this and probably many of your listeners know that you know, like with depression, exercise is huge. Oh yeah. To release those endorphins in the way that you feel. So we'll talk about that and I will sometimes sit down with them, okay, Let's, let's set a goal for the week, even if it's just getting outside and walking around the block one time, just, you know, starting small. But when these basic needs, and also it's super interesting, you would think that these would be things that a lot of people would be doing, but when they're struggling with mental health, oftentimes it, these things aren't happening. And so it is, it's so important because before you can work on other things, they, they've got to be meeting their basic needs. So that would be the one thing that I would say for where to start is being able to look, you know, are, are you doing those things in your life? And if you're not, you could start with that and then just see how you feel. I love that. And I think that can apply to so many different things. I mean, I think of like when I have newborn babies, I am not always meeting all those needs, you know, eating is kind of hit or miss and, you know, you know, when you are eating, it's not always great, you know, or the exercise maybe not be happening or, you know, so, and definitely not sleeping. <laughs> so no, for sure. So these are, these are definitely, I think mental health in all parts of the spectrum. I think those are all such important things mm -hmm. to cover. So I'm so glad you brought those up. So probably a good check-in for me to just hear those and go, wait a minute, am I doing it all those in too. my daily life? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really great. Well, if I'm going to tell it to clients, I have to make sure I'm doing it. So right. it's made me more aware of, oh, I better go and, you know, get a walk in or whatever. Because if I'm talking that, you know, if I'm talking the talk, I better be walking the walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I feel the same way with my kids. Okay. Go do your exercises. Oh, wait, yeah. I better be that example too. We're all going to eat our vegetables today. <laughs> yes. Totally on that one. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, I loved this, the podcast that you did about acknowledging our emotions. And I really love this right now. I feel like I'm getting this fresh start as the school year has just started. There's been so much emotions during this COVID time. And I feel like it's like a whole new set of it with everybody's school just being so different than normal this year. And I think that that would just help me and my family if I'm better processing my emotions and can teach my kids how to better process theirs. So I would love for you to talk to us a little bit about the dragon story that you mentioned in your podcast and how we can just all be a little bit better about that. Yeah, so I love children's books. 
And I had a coworker recently introduced me to a book called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon by Jack Kent. And after the coworker introduced it to me, I immediately went on Amazon and purchased it because I knew that I could use it with clients. So just to, I'll just give a, a kind of quick summary of the book. They're, the main character is Billy Bixby. And he wakes up one morning to find a dragon in his room that's about the size of a kitten. So he sees the dragon and he pets it on the head and the dragon wags its tail. So Billy goes downstairs and he tells his mom about the dragon. And his mom says, there's no such thing as a dragon. And so Billy's like, oh, okay, well, if my mom's saying this, then I need to listen to her. And so, okay, there's not a dragon, but yet he's still seeing the dragon, but he thinks, oh, I better ignore it because my mom says there's no such thing as a dragon. So when he does start ignoring it, what he notices is the dragon starts growing. It starts taking up the kitchen and the family room and it starts going, its head going upstairs and out the window and the tail out the front door. And so this dragon becomes huge and it takes over their house. So eventually the family kind of to summarize it, the family realize that this dragon has taken over their house and his mom is finally able to acknowledge that there is a dragon and she's like petting it on the head I think was how it ended and it the the dragon immediately starts shrinking down and it goes back down to the kitten size that it originally was and the classic part of the book is at the end where his mom asks why she thought that the dragon had to get so big and Billy says I guess it just wanted to be noticed. And I love the application of that. I mean, obviously it could have different applications, but I love the application or the connection to our emotions that, you know, we all want to feel that we like the happy, feel good emotions. And yet it's the human experience to experience negative emotions like grief, confusion, fear, worry, regret, stress, um, and of course, there's many others. So often when we feel these emotions, what we want to do is we want to run away from it. We want to ignore it. We want to stuff it down. Or, we're, or sometimes we will drown it out and we'll use things like food, maybe shopping, maybe the phone, TV, drugs, alcohol, or other things that may not be so helpful for us to be able to like push those emotions away but they really don't get pushed away. What they do is they, they just are kind of suppressed and they, they come back later. Um, I like to use the analogy of a soda pop bottle, that if you shake that soda pop bottle and then you take the lid off, what does it do? <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. And that's what happens like when we don't acknowledge our emotions or what we're experiencing, that's what can happen. It just, it's kind of in there, but it's you know, shaking and it's shaking. And then that lid comes off and our emotions are all over the place. And sometimes when that happens, it comes out in ways that we don't like. Um, I like to use the example that it could come out in ways that we regret, like maybe road rage or yelling at our kids or spouse, or maybe even just being snarky with a roommate or a coworker or a boss. So it can come out in ways that later on we, we regret. So I have three, three steps that I talk with, or actually I mentioned on the podcast, but I'll also talk to with clients on how to acknowledge emotions. 
So the first one is to name it. The second is to allow for the motion. And then the third is to identify what we need. So if it's okay, I can go into a little bit more specific. Yes, yes. Okay. So first, name the emotion that's being experienced. So maybe you're feeling lonely, guilty, maybe you're suffering from grief, you're feeling anxious, unloved, unappreciated, scared, stuck, disappointed. Do you get the idea? Like there's all kinds of emotions. So we want to kind of go in and see what are we feeling? And first of all, just name it. Like, okay, right now I'm feeling unloved. And so you notice that and you name it. Now, the second step is to allow for the emotion. So once you name it and know what emotion you are dealing with, then it's so helpful to be able to let your body process it. So what that can look like, basically what you want to do is get in your head. Because sometimes when you experience an emotion, like say, um, maybe you're feeling some resentment, you might be up in your head judging yourself and like, you shouldn't be feeling that way, that you should be grateful. You should, you know, all those shoulds. And so what you're doing is you're getting out of your head and you're going down into your body and say, it's the emotion of unloved. Okay. Where do I feel unloved in my body? And you go into your body and you notice it. Um, Ashley, let me give a, a different example related to um, anxiety. If you're, or actually the one that I, I had written down was say, I'm feeling nervous and, or maybe kind of that anxious feeling. So if I was to describe it, I would go into my body and say, okay, I'm feeling it in my chest and my stomach. It's moving around real quickly in an irregular pattern. It looks like a little electric ball that's bouncing wildly all around in my stomach and my chest. I'm noticing what it's doing. And so I'm noticing what it's doing and I'm not trying to get it to go away. So just noticing what am I feeling in my body and just continuing like, okay, I'm going to do nervousness for a little while. I'm going to do, I just feel unloved. I'm going to just notice that for a little while, what that feels like. I can promise you it will feel kind of terrible <laughs> because we're allowing for it. But what it does is it allows it to pass through your body. I don't totally understand why, but I know that it does versus pushing it away. And I know that's kind of a strange concept for some people to think about, oh, I have to go into my body and notice where I feel unloved. But yeah, as you do that, it allows the body or the emotion to exist and then we don't push it away. So how long do you let yourself feel it? Do you have a, give yourself, okay, I've got one hour to feel this emotion or is this go on for days? Like, how do you, how do you kind of regulate your time on that? Or do you just say, I'm just going to feel it as long as I need to feel it? For me, sometimes it will go away more quickly. Um, there's other times I had an experience last year that I was really, really upset about. And it honestly took me a couple of weeks to be able before I really felt like, oh, okay, I'm not feeling that anymore. I don't say that to discourage people because it doesn't always last that long, but sometimes just being able to allow for it. But here's the other piece of it. After, as you're allowing for it and just noticing, yeah, I'm still feeling kind of sad today, you know, because there was this thing that happened and I'm still feeling sad about it. But then the other piece of it is being able to identify what you need as you allow for that emotion. So being able to ask what we need. Um, we have a 
emotions for a reason. And it helps, it's, it's part of the human experience, but it's also, it gives us information. It's giving us information about something that we might need. And so being able to ask you know, yourself, what is it that I need right now? So for example, say that you're feeling lonely and it's an indication that you need connection. So as you're dealing and kind of allowing for that lonely feeling, you might also ask yourself, what do I need right now? And that might be, I need to reach out to a friend and connect with a friend. Or I, maybe I need to go to an event where there's going to be other people. Well, not right now, but <laughs> not right, right now. I know. How do we figure that out in a different way, I guess, right now? Right, right. So, we, you know, a lot of it is virtual or it's phone calls right now. Um, say that we're feeling nervous about an upcoming test and we're feeling that emotion. But as we do, it might motivate us to go and study for the test. So that's the action that we need to take. That's what we need. We're feeling nervous, we're allowing for that nervousness, but it also helps us identify, I need to go study for the test. Um, here's another example. If someone we love just died and we're feeling grief, we may need to talk with someone and share thoughts about that loved one that died. Or maybe we just need to make sure that we're taking care of our basic needs as we grieve. Like I'm gonna just make sure that I'm getting enough food, I'm getting enough water. Because when we grieve or we're experiencing intense emotions, oftentimes the food, either it's overeating or not eating enough, the sleep is impacted, not exercising, because maybe they, the person's like, I don't feel like exercising. So it's kind of twofold. You're allowing for the emotion and to feel it, but you're also asking yourself what you need while you're allowing for the emotion. Okay. I love that. Well, and I, you know, as you talked about grief too, that's a negative emotion that isn't going to be going away after an hour, right? That's, that could be months sticking with you or years, depending on the circumstance and the trauma and the impact, who close, how close the person was. So I love that you kind of just say, as long as it needs to be there, you need to feel it and be okay with that. And also like, you know, you bring up grief that's not necessarily a situation we want to feel happy about anyway, right? We want to feel grief, even though it feels terrible. We want to grieve because someone that we really loved has left this life. And so that is part of the process. And like you said, it may, it could take years and not that you're going to feel it every day for several years, but it definitely can, you know, with grief, grief can come and go, you know, for a long, long, long time. Yeah. This is a recap. The first is to name the emotion, so identify it and name it. The second is to allow for it. So you're going into your body, you might notice what it feels like in your body and you're saying, okay, I'm gonna do grief right now or I'm gonna do sadness right now and you're allowing for it. And then the third one is while you're allowing for it as you identify. So the whole processing emotions and noticing it in the body, this is something you can do with your kids. When you notice your kids are upset, because kids, they don't know how to identify their emotions. They just know they feel kind of terrible. And you can say, what are you feeling right now? And you can even give them simple language depending on their age. Do you feel sad? Do you feel scared? Do you feel whatever it is? And then you can say, hey, where do you feel scared in your body? Where do you feel that at? And they can go into their little bodies and like, oh, I feel it right here. Or you can even have them point, where do you feel that in your body? And that is a way of being able to teach your children how to acknowledge what's going on for them. That was worth noting. Yeah, that's really worth noting. That's great. I love that.
Well, and I think you can start doing that at pretty little ages. I mean, I'm sure even with my little three-year-old, we could talk about that and that would be fine. He's really good at telling us he's sad. He tells us that all the time. If he's having a bad <laughs> I'm sad. And then we're like, okay. And so this will make it so he can even go a little deeper than that. So that's awesome. I love that. That it's so helpful to even just remind ourselves to find those basics because that really impacts everything. And it's so funny. I think in everything, I think even at church, the different things that we're, you know, asked to do or told to do, simple things like praying or reading our scriptures, those are little things that sometimes can go by the wayside, but yet they make such a huge impact. So just like our, our food and our exercise. And so I love that you bring up the, the little things that we can make a big impact on just those few things. Let's tell everybody where we can find you, where, where we can have people get more from you and where you're at. Okay, sure. Um, so my podcast name is Mamas in Midlife, M-A-M-A-S in Midlife. And same thing, Instagram, I have the same name, Mamas in Midlife. And my email is the same, Mamas in Midlife at Gmail. Um, if anybody was interested in therapy, I, I'm licensed in the state of Texas, so I only practice there and I can do, I'm, I practice out of Louisville at an office called Healing and Recovery. So I do in person and I also can do telehealth. So anybody that's in the state of Texas, I can also see um, via telehealth. So that's where I'm at. Well, that's just awesome. That's going to be great. And I'll put that link in the show notes so we can all get to you in those ways. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that we didn't cover? I, just one last quick thought, just that I think it's getting a lot better, but I think for a long time, there was a stigma if you had a therapist or you went to counseling. And I think that that's definitely getting better. I think there's so much more mental health awareness now, but just being willing to get help if you need it in whatever way that may look like. And the other thing that I wanted to just point out that I really like to share is being aware of the judgment that we have of ourselves that I think that we sometimes are definitely our worst critics mm -hmm. and being able to allow for more compassion. And, you know, that when you're meeting your basic needs, you're actually being compassionate to yourself as well. So being able to keep that at the forefront of it's okay to be compassionate towards myself and it's okay to take care of my needs. Sometimes I think, especially as moms, we, well, I don't know how many people, I know I got the message of how important it was just to kind of meet everybody else's needs. Oh yeah. I was terrible I at that. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I neglected my own. I was laughing the other day. I was telling someone that I used to, if I was tired and I knew I needed to rest for a little bit, I would literally like sneak off. So no one knew that I had snuck <laughs> off to go take a nap like as if I didn't deserve it. And, and of course they would usually come and find me versus saying, you know what, this is something I need right now. I'm going to be gone for 30 minutes. I'm going to go rest or whatever. But I felt like it was, I don't know if it, I don't know what I thought about it, but just probably that I didn't deserve it was probably the biggest thing. So being able to have compassion and that it's totally okay to meet our needs and even our, you know, things that we want to do, that that's okay to develop ourselves in addition to being a mom. Kind of like what you're doing, Hillary. I love what you're doing with this podcast and that you're finding things that you want to do in addition to being a mom because it's fulfilling for you. 
Well, and I feel like I, this podcast is great because all the problems I'm having in motherhood, I just invite a guest on to teach me how to get through it. <laughs> so smart. <laughs> so now we can process our emotions. We'll be all set. And then whatever my next thing is, I'll have to invite someone up. So my friends listening, they just get to go through my life and they'll know exactly what problems I'm having through all the stages, depending on my episodes <laughs> for that week. That's funny. <laughs> Oh, I love this. Well, if you don't mind, let's go into our three helpful and happy questions because I would love for our friends listening to just learn a little bit more fun things about you. I try to include this because it ties in our Helping of Happiness blog where we cover family food and family vacations and homemaking hacks as well as housing the podcast because I feel like these are all things that I really love that connect me to my family and they bring me a lot of excitement. <laughs> I mean, as I can talk about these things all the time. So our first one is what is your favorite food or meal? Okay. So this one was a no brainer for me. I love jalapeno poppers. <gasps> really? Yeah. So for anyone that doesn't know what they are, it's jalapeno that you you know, take out the seeds and you stuff it with cream cheese, you wrap it with bacon and then you bake it in the oven. And I can eat like way too many of those. <laughs> They're so good. I told my husband at my funeral, I want them to have bacon or have them, they should have jalapeno poppers to celebrate <laughs> my life. <laughs> I love that. So do you really like spicy food then? Or is I do. I do. Yeah. Well, my husband decided that it would be a really good idea to grow a ghost pepper plant this summer. I don't know why, because no <laughs> one is going to eat those things. And the bad thing is he planted this pimento pepper plant. It's like not your, oh no, not pimento, Tabasco pepper plant. These are like, usually Tabasco peppers are spicy, but these are like the craziest, hottest. And my three-year-old got into them because he just usually eats out of the garden. So he was eating these and then he's slobbering all over because it's <laughs> spicy and then he's rubbing his face. So he's rubbing the spice all over his nose and all over his face. And we're just like, oh my goodness, why are you doing this? But he loved his ghost pepper plant. He took one bite and that was it. <laughs> I saw that, that you posted that on Instagram, the video of your husband eating it. That was hilarious. I love that you posted so that. Funny. I wish that he would have shown his true emotion in the moment because he was really holding it in because I was videoing, but. Honey, oh. how are you really feeling right now? <laughs> I know we were cracking up because he didn't even handle it with his hands. He handled it with it. Like if you have to pick it with a glove because it will burn your skin, uh -huh. why are you putting that in your mouth? I just, oh. That's anyway, so, funny. so funny. So I'm with you. I love jalapeno poppers, but I don't want to go too much spicier than that. Or it's, I'm just pain. I don't pain. Oh, so funny. Okay. Let's go to number two. What is the best trip you've ever gone on or your dream vacation? So my husband and I had this like vision or dream that we wanted to go to Hawaii and we started planning as I got closer to our 20 year anniversary. They're like, okay, we have to go to Hawaii for our 20 year anniversary. So we made that happen. We went to North shore on Oahu. We found this little, and they call it, it was under like Hawaiian beach homes. It was the website at the time. I don't even know if it still exists. And there were these, there was a couple that had a home on the beach and they had this little um, like one story studio, kind of an apartment behind their house. 
and it was amazing. It had a koi pond, a pond with koi fish. It had chairs you could go and sit out and relax every morning and listen to the ocean. And it was, it was, and the food was amazing. It was literally like the dreamiest trip. We were talking about the other day, just even talking about it. I have all these happy emotions oh, I start feeling. Yeah. yeah. So it was good. I was glad we did it. I'd love to go back. Oh, I need to close my eyes and just be there. Uh huh. Maybe I'll hold the shell up to my ear and pretend that I can hear the ocean going. <laughs> it's my happy place for sure. Oh, yep. what a great one. That's so awesome. Okay, so here's our last one. Do you have a homemaking hack for us? I, I don't know if this is necessarily a hack. It's just more like speaking of mental health. <laughs> this is something yes. that helps me. Life hacks, homemaking better. hacks, totally work. Yeah. I... Love to have my bed made every morning because I feel like if just the bed made is made, at least the room feels kind of clean. Mm -hmm. And then before I cook, if the kitchen's dirty, I have to do the dishes first before I cook. Otherwise, I feel kind of um, like it just feels I'm not overwhelming, but I just can't focus as easily on making and hurrying get a meal, getting a meal made because the kitchen's a mess. And probably because I like to do the dishes as I go. Actually, that probably is kind of a hack. I do the dishes as I cook because after I eat, I don't want to go back in the kitchen and spend more time doing dishes. So that's... Oh, I think that's a great idea. Well, otherwise, if you already have a big pile of dishes and then you cook and everybody's dinner dishes, at least at my house, because we have so many people, it just gets so piled up and just feels so daunting like you'll never be done doing the dishes for the rest of your life it's just gonna be there. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> that's a great idea I think I need to start doing that because there's definitely times when I'm cooking where maybe I just get something started and I can be doing dishes and then toss a couple of things in there that's a great idea oh love that one well, Lisa, this has just been so great. I just have loved hearing this from you. And I just feel so much more empowered <laughs> to go and experience emotions and not feel bad about it when I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling nervous or anxious because there's a lot of all of that happening, I think, for all of us right now in such uncertain times. Everybody go follow Lisa at Mamas in Midlife. Great things on Instagram and love, love the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was so fun to talk with you. I love this topic. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope they'll share it with a friend that is maybe struggling with some of these big emotions as well. And um, make sure if you're listening through your favorite podcast app that you give us a rating and a review and subscribe. Those messages mean so much to us and also help us to be able to grow our podcast. So thank you so very much.